Feedback Loop. I'm Joey. And I'm Jeremy. And this week we're talking like this for some reason. <laughs> we're drawing out all of the syllables. What was it, last week or the week before we did radio announcer voice, voices? Yeah, that was... just, it's, it's a fun fun little uh, quirk of the show. You, know, you never know what you're going to get. It's more like I don't know how to start this thing, so I just end up doing some sort of weird voice. <laughs> some sort of voice, yeah. And then I turn it into a thing. That's... Yeah. It's but, fine. Yeah. No, it's 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 all good. But uh, this week, we're talking about the album Sunbather by the band Death Heaven. And, yeah. Yeah. It's a band. I, I chose it. I picked this one. Because in response to Slipknot, the, the Grey Chapter, 0.5 the Grey Chapter, <laughs> not not just the Grey Chapter. I mean, but, it's whatever. Semantics. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I picked this one. It's metal-y, and it's... it's it's rough in some spots. So in, I was so, like, in, in some ways, not not in all the ways. Though. Not in all the ways. Definitely not in all the ways. Because like uh, the the Wikipedia classification of the genre of this album is uh, black gays. Yeah, which is is not African American people that are homosexual. Yeah, not a, no, that's not it. it. <laughs> it's like shoe gays and black metal. Yeah, kind of intertwined, which. Uh, I I had I didn't really know what to expect from it, honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll 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 get to that. Yeah. Um, the, the, t- tell us about what this album looks like, Joey. Oh, the Describe album cover. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's just like this per pinky, purpley, yellowish kind of. Just it looks like the surface of the sun in a way, kind of gradient. And, yeah, but like a, a setting sun, not like a, a high yeah, moon sun. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a sunset almost. And it just has sunbather, but it's stylized like in three lines. So it's like sun, and then below it, bat, and then below it, her. But it spells sunbather, but it looks like sun, bat, her. It's a, it's a nice clean three by three grid. Yeah, no, it looks really nice. I know I'm I know I'm being a little fucky with it, but it, <laughs> it looks really nice. Yeah, and I like the font choice. It's kind of like minimal, and like large portions of each letter are missing, but you can still clearly identify them. Yeah, it's almost like it. It's like the sun's hitting it from a certain angle, and maybe part yeah. of it's in a shadow or obscured or something. Oh, is, is that a? Is that a reference that's in the album? I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this album <laughs> this album has black metal vocals. Yeah. Uh, which, for those of you who don't know, I mean, it's pretty much what you think of when you hear metal if you don't know what black metal is anyway. But uh, it's like, it's just, it's very like... <laughs> that's like, not... All what... the time. See, okay. <laughs> so like, death metal and like, brutal type stuff is like, oh... And yeah, this is like rally. Yeah, and this is like <laughs> <laughs> exactly like Jeremy's kinda, doing it. High pitched, kind of, kind of screamy. It's, it's, yeah. And I'm just gonna go ahead and head it off because this band, as you, as you noted, they play black gaze music, black yeah. metal, shoegaze. They yeah. do not play true black metal. And if you go around <laughs> saying that they play true black metal, right, you're gonna like you're gonna get. You're gonna get killed. Yeah, we'll just say the black metal community is kind of fucking nuts, <laughs> at least at its core, because it was invented to literally keep everybody else out. It was like, no, fuck everybody. This we like this. It's very insular. It's very, very. Right. Uh, 
I don't know what the word is, but it, it just it was designed. Yeah, it, it, it put a positive spin. It's very close knit. Yeah, there we go. They're very protective of their own, and yeah. they're very, except very they're, exclusive. Except they're not protective of their own, well, considering yeah. uh, one of the first major stories about black metal was uh, Varg Vikernes just fucking stabbing Euronymous like twenty seven times or something. <laughs> but, you know. Those let's, are, just talk, let's just talk about black metal for yeah. the whole podcast <laughs> instead of actually talking about this album. So, okay. Give, give us a history lesson. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> way back in in Norway, all yeah. these people, they, they didn't really know what to do because it's dark like all the time. So right. they, they would sleep for long periods of time. <laughs> and they would, have, they would have dreams, of course, while they were sleeping. Yeah. And they started to have so many dreams because they're sleeping just all the time that they would do everyday tasks in their dreams. Oh, yeah? And they, I guess, a lot of people just decided to take up carpentry in their dreams. And then, I mean, just like you would do it in real life, they would go and build themselves a dream house. But inside their dream. But inside their dream. So it's a literal dream house. It is a literal dream house. What does that have to do with black metal, though? That has to do with the first song of this album, Dream House crazy i did not see that coming i think Uh, it's the the longest segue we've had on the show so far that's because that's the only way i could do it is if i set up like (laughs) a literal book behind it a story yeah but yeah dream house track number one uh i i like it okay yes okay i'm just gonna gonna get get that out of the way i do like i like the tone and i like the sound of this album sweet uh it just this song hits you with that immediate like kind of it's 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 black gaze, and I think that's a very good descriptor of it because mm-hmm. it's kind of like aggressive and high intensity, but also very like chill and mellow and like shoegazy. Just the guitar tones, they they're not metal tones, yeah, but they're still played in a very aggressive and metal way. And the good old black metal vocal screams come in. <laughs> Definitely can't understand what he's saying, but I don't really care. Yeah, and that's okay. And as such, for I didn't look up lyrics for any of this, so I have very little. Uh, lyrical input except for one track which we'll get to yeah um but but yeah so i i don't have lyric notes on this whole album essentially but uh yeah it's it's a good cold sound Mm. i know we we associate seasons and and stuff with albums and vice versa and i think it's this really like this is the perfect time of year for this album to hit me and it, it just i don't know it feels good yeah. I, I really like the chord progressions and the drum patterns and, and fills and stuff on the song. Uh, on paper, I was kind of concerned about Black Gaze not making sense <laughs> to me, but it, it really works in a very beautiful way. Uh, and because I didn't really worry about the lyrics, I was kind of trying to hone in on, on some feelings on a lot of these. And this one, it, it's it was hard for me to define the emotion in the song because there's this contrast of the shoegaze music and then the black metal vocals and stuff. There's definitely a change in the tone about halfway through. Mm-hmm. And while it feels kind of floaty and melancholy, it, it's still a bit darker. And then like the drums and everything fade out, except for the lead guitar with a very somber sounding riff, which they do a couple times throughout the album. Yeah. Uh, it kind of feels like the darker turn when it got like aggressive and angry and stuff was kind of the immediate response of someone dying or someone leaving. And then the, the more chill part kind of came off as this kind of calm and depressive section to that that's kind of following that as well uh the rest of the band comes back in and then it's kind of this weird like acceptance kind of thing is what i got it's kind of like this 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 
ebb and flow. This whole album is kind of like a flow of of different sounds, and uh, I, th- I think the first track really really captures that well. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you like it. I actually like that you didn't look up the lyrics because I mean I did. Right. Be, be, I, be, I was hoping that you would have some some context, but I, I feel like I felt like it would be an interesting dynamic if I told you how I felt the song was, and then you explained the song. That's pretty awesome because I kind of did the same thing, kind like in my own notes. Because with music like this, like I've listened to a decent amount of black metal. I'm not like paint your face sniffing right. <laughs> dead crows type thing. Uh, but you know, I kind of just listen to this music and I, I have about three different ways of thinking about the vocals and listening. And usually whenever I listen to an album like this, I will kind of take the vocals in three different ways. And the first one is think of it as just another instrument. It's just mm-hmm. a, another texture on top of it because there are a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of melody. There's a lot of ambience, kind of atmospheric, chill type stuff going on because it does. Right. There's that wall of sound that you get in a lot of shoegaze music where it's it just encapsulates you. It's just all around you, and it it's kind of like a blanket of of noise just on top of you. Very cold blanket in this case. Yeah, exactly. And that's what that's just what I like about black metal music in general is it just has that feel to it, that little nip. Like if you're yeah. walking outside and there's kind of there's no leaves on the trees and there may be a little snow, but it's you can see your breath definitely. Yeah, it's always listen. snowy in Norway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Prop maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Norwegians let me know what it's like because I really want to go to your country. Like that is yeah. one of the few places that I actually we, want to go. We should, when we inevitably start making income from this podcast, we need to have a company trip to Norway. Yes, and, and we'll maybe, write. Maybe it. we can record. Uh, oh yeah, we're gonna say write an album. Well, I was gonna say we could write it off as a business expense, but oh. now that it's out there, hell yeah, we're writing. Yeah, a black I was saying, like we could just record a podcast there, but then you're like, right, and I was like, maybe we're gonna write an album in Norway. I'm okay with that too. Dude, yeah, you don't see. That's the thing about original black metal is you don't need high recording quality. You don't need. <laughs> you don't really need skill. Whatever, just to do it. Like, yeah, and that's what's so strange about this album is that like the production value on the music itself is very like clean. Yeah, and and then it's got those the the rough black metal vocals, which are like sound like they're recorded on just the shittiest microphone you can find. <laughs> And it it somehow works. I I really like the contrast. Yeah, I I agree. And just the way the song starts is it has kind of like an other room feeling. It's very washed out for the first maybe 10, 15 seconds. And then it just hits. That's when the wall of sound hits. And that I just love that because that like that shows kind of sets you up for this album very well, I think, just Mm -hmm. because. One thing I like that this band does is plays with silence and kind of, I guess, not a lot of instruments. They're not afraid to have silence in their songs. Mm -hmm. They tone it down whenever they need to and just have like just an acoustic guitar or just a piano or whatever. But then they can just hop right back into this full on assault of sound. And I keep saying assault. It's not. It's beautiful, but it's just like there's it's, a it's, lot. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of sound, but uh, 
So, yeah. so you, you explained the first yeah. of, the, of <laughs> the three way of analyzing and, and that like resonates with me, how I see most music yeah. when I'm listening to it, at least initially, I, I don't really pick up on lyrics. I know I've said that a bunch mm-hmm. because I kind of view the, uh, the vocals as just like an added layer, an added instrument yeah. kind of a thing. And then the lyrics just take that even deeper, which, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, so what is the second? The second way is since you can't really understand what this guy's saying, like I know what he's right. saying and you st- I still can't piece it together. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so you can just feel the emotion from it. Like yes. just listen to it and pick up on, cause you can pick up on a lot of despair. There's, there's some hope in this album, but there's like, I get like regret and just sadness and anger. But then there's also some moments where it comes in and it's like, you can tell it's like a loss of love, mm-hmm. I guess is kind of, how I yeah. picked up on the emotions at first, which leads me to the third one, which is actually knowing the lyrics and listening. Right. Analyzing with, the lyrics. Yeah. And the lyrics, at least on this, this song, it's, uh, it's talking about the singer, George Clark. He, it starts off with a struggle with his struggle with alcohol addiction and how it's kind of affected his, relationships like i guess love relationships maybe family relationships it seems but yeah that's what it is and it's just talking about his fight with it interesting but uh the ending of the song actually because i group this song into maybe three parts or two parts but like there's part 1a then the middle like part two mm-hmm. which is like the acoustic like right. somber part and then part one B or something, which is back into the metal yeah. sounding part at the end. But uh, apparently the ending is a conversation that he had with, I guess someone, a girl that he was in a relationship with that I guess was affected by his alcoholism. And the last lyrics are I'm dying. Like she told him I'm dying. And then he asked, is it blissful? And she said, it's like a dream. And then he said back, I want to dream. So right. that kind of leads into the dream house. And she's describing death as a dream. So it kind of plays into that. And I think there's a tie-in later in the album. But it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of got that feel to it. Kind of that moody feel, that dark, somber feel that you can pick up on without even knowing the lyrics, I guess. Right. And that's and just I, cool. I feel like some of that, at least in my listening of this album, I don't listen to a lot of black metal, but I imagine that's kind of just a staple feeling of black metal with, with the vocals the way they are. They're so raw and aggressive and emotional that there's always this kind of sense of like anguish yeah. in them. At least from what I've heard. So I feel like that kind of like seeps through on like every track on this album where there are vocals. Yeah, I I agree. There's definitely there's a whole lot of despair. There's a lot of I don't I hate to say angst because it has a bad connotation, yeah. but I mean angst. Like yeah, <laughs> you're you're feeling ex- exacerbating your feelings in a way that you're describing them along with like death and like what is it he describes wine even as what was the pour of a bitter red being that escapes a thin (laughs) frame a bitter red being like i i I think he's talking about wine there but 
that's I don't know. It's it's very atmospheric lyrics, I guess. Right. Very very like metaphorical and yeah. like poetic, and yeah. not not just being straight up front with what you're saying, but kind of like. Not, not really tiptoeing around it either, but just kind of describing it in a very abstract way. Yeah, painting a very good picture. Yes, very vivid imagery, uh, some would say. Which, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, you might find the lyrics of this album just simply irresistible. Simply irresistible. Yeah, I, I, I started saying it, and I thought about that as I was saying it. I'm like, god damn it. Uh, track, track number two is called Irresistible. It's not called Simply Irresistible. It is in no way related to that song. It is no way at all. Uh, but it, it blends right in from Dreamhouse. Dreamhouse mm-hmm. kind of like fades out at the end. Or it doesn't really fade out, but uh, the, it slows down, and they're, they're playing this riff or whatever, and that goes straight into Irresistible to the point where I didn't even notice it changed tracks at first. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's blended seamlessly, which is fantastic. I love it when shit like that happens mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. This track doesn't have any drums or bass or vocals. It's just some like vibey ass guitars, and I, I really like it a lot. It feels a bit more optimistic than the previous track, so maybe kind of riding off of that, like I kind of got that optimism, kind of the, the tinge of hope feel mm-hmm. in it. This is kind of taking that and running with it a bit more. Uh, if I wanted, this is where I tried to like kind of make some sort of storyline here, uh, and I said I, I think that Dreamhouse, the previous track, is about the loss of someone or the death of a loved one, or maybe just some sort of breakup kind of a deal, and the stages of grief that fo- that are following that. And then Irresistible is kind of finding a reason to be happy, or at least content after that fact, where he's kind of like finding something to cling to to carry him through like the dark times. Yeah, it's... I like that you went in that direction, because that is kind of, I think, the storyline... Not that there's necessarily like an exact storyline, but there right. is. There's a tie through, and the I think the tie through is loss of love due due to outside reasons that are caused mm-hmm. by his maybe his struggle with alcoholism or just troubles with drugs and youthful indiscretions and just <laughs> not necessarily having his life together. I guess. Yeah. Which but, uh, I, it's it's a big thing in music. Like yeah. I think a lot of people in music write about it, and a lot of people like there, there's. I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is a huge thing. Like yeah. people, especially getting into music, end up with a drug addiction. Yeah. Which and, I I don't know when if he's talking about a time before he was in a band and doing had easy access to that stuff, or if he was you know talking about it as it related to this band or or another band or whatever, but. The vibe I get from this is he's talking about whenever he was in a band because there's stuff I it's in a it's in a few songs that kind of deal with his career path as a musician or just how that relates to his upbringing where he wants to be in life where where he sees other people in life I guess right but but yeah it's it's just cool that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this album is it's cool to be able to pick up on what we think about an album before we even know the lyrics. Because whenever you have clean lyrics, it's so easy to immediately be like, oh, this is what they're saying. This right. is what this song means. But with this, it's like you hear it and you feel an emotion. And unless you you have a really, really, really trained ear, you're not going to immediately know what they're saying. Even if you do, you're probably like this guy. There's some of these lyrics I... I tried to listen for it right. and I couldn't make it out. 
I could kind of be like, oh, this is probably what he's saying, but I had yeah. I still had to look up the lyrics. Yeah, I, I kind of like that's why I didn't really look into lyrics on this album is because, like I said, I don't listen to a lot of black metal. And I don't want to discredit it by saying like, oh, it's just noise. You can't understand what they're saying. So therefore it's meaningless. But I, I, I get the feeling that like, that's how people view a lot of death metal and stuff that to us is a lot easier to understand. Like Lamb of God. Yeah. Like, I can listen to pretty much any Lamb of God song and understand what they're saying for the most part. Yeah. And that's just because I've listened to a lot of that kind of music. And I feel like the same applies to black metal where like, if you listen to enough black metal, then you'll be able to pick up that a lot of the lyrics more easily granted maybe not in this case because it's kind of shoegazing there's a lot of noise and a lot of layers yeah intentionally but i feel like it'd be a lot easier if you like had that background of listening to and interpreting black metal lyrics i agree and uh you know you know who wouldn't like black metal though no matter what uh jesus probably what yeah i guess yeah (laughs) you know what he probably wouldn't Considering, fun fact, uh, back in the day in Norway, the black metal scene <laughs> was very much known for burning churches. Oh, yeah? So, uh, yeah. Once did again... They, did they, like, bathe in, the, in the, the glory of God? Dude, I don't know, man. They were just... They were just so... I don't even know. Like, I think they were just... Angsty. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. But... Angsty, distraught. Not to discredit anybody's movement, but I think they were just like so isolated and so done with the establishment that they were just like, yeah. you know what? We're just gonna tear it all down. Why not? <laughs> but then, well, then they all got kind of shitty. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's a it's a it's a story. We'll, we'll have a, a a black history or a black metal history. <laughs> Wow, that was almost dangerous. A black metal history conversation, uh, just a whole episode where you just talk about black metal. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's fascinating. It's kind of fucked up too, like on it, like really fucked up. But you know, the other people who wouldn't like it are all those <laughs> tying it back. All those to the, the segue that I just totally <laughs> torched intentionally. Those uh, those really rich people sitting out on the out on the beach, laying on their towels. All those sunbathers. Yeah, because you, know. you can't sunbathe unless you're rich. Is that what you're getting at? Here? I mean, I I you shouldn't have said sunbathe in their backyard. It's fine. I shouldn't have said that because the <laughs> only reason I said that is because it ties into stuff. But on this song, but I'll uh, I'll get into that when we. <laughs> we'll we'll get into it. I've, I've taken yeah. away on, on the first two tracks. This yeah. is the title track. I'll go ahead and get into it. And since yeah. I spoiled part of the lyrics, I'm gonna go ahead and Do it. go into it. So. Uh, I had once heard Def Heaven described as the Vampire Weekend of black metal. I've not listened to to Vampire Weekend, so I don't know. I don't know what that means. Me either, but <laughs> they didn't do it because of their musical stylings. Vampire Weekend, I guess, or they were like rich kids. Ah, uh. and apparently these guys are as well. Like they came from money, not right. to not to. Be like, oh, I fucking rich kids. That's no, I mean, it's, it's relevant. It's yeah. context for the album. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so they were born into money, or at least George Clark was. Maybe all of them were. I don't know. But at least their front man was. Right. And that, has, that is something that comes into play with his 
alcoholism, with his just views on the world, with his views on where he is in life. Yeah. He if he was he was grown up in with wealth and it apparently it's it is wealth it's not just like he was rich like it's like you got a lot of money (laughs) but but uh the song opens and he's driving through i guess a gated community or just like a really exclusive neighborhood with like manicured lawns the opening lyrics are i held my breath and drove through a maze of wealthy home and watched how green the trees were and watched the steep walkways and the white fences and he's talking about just, I mean, he paints a pretty clear picture right there, but he's talking about the memories. He goes on to talk about the memories that come back to him as he's driving through there, I guess, having grown up in a neighborhood like that or, or the neighborhood that he's driving through. And he talks about how he felt in there. He, because mm-hmm. he goes on to describe himself as, dishonest and ugly through the space in my teeth break bones down to yellow and crush gums into blood which seems to be about i guess he needed braces and either i guess he didn't want them or maybe his he couldn't get them for some reason but of course everybody else in that neighborhood i'm sure was prim and proper and like had everything that they could possibly have fixed about them fixed and he's talking about a girl who he's laying beside the he says something uh it's i gazed into reflective eyes i cried against an ocean of light crippled by the cushion i sank into the sheets so i don't know crippled by the cushion i don't know if that means the cushion of like his life yeah that's what i was thinking or if he's actually talking about a cushion but i think it's about like the cushion that money gives you and that he was kind of sheltered away from the rest of the world but he's he goes on to describe a woman that he loves that he was laying by who the way he describes her is the hardest part for the week was stroking your fingers with rings full of teeth. It's 5 a.m. and my heart flourishes at each passing moment, always and forever. And what I take from that is that she was the quote unquote perfect girl that he was in love with. All the guys were wanted to be with her and Mm -hmm she's rings of rings full of teeth makes me think that she's not necessarily like there. It makes me think of like a lot of guys have tried to bend with her and she's broken them down and like her rings have their teeth on them. I don't know if that makes, I don't know if that makes any sense. She's carrying the bones of her enemies. Yeah. Like some victims. Yeah. Something like that. And like, he was this guy who wasn't the, smooth haircut whatever brace i think I, i'm thinking maybe there's some tie in so like there's a phrase that when you when you cut your teeth on something it's the first time you do it mm-hmm. so maybe it's even like a sexual like virginity thing maybe she's like wearing proudly the number of guys that she's like had sex with and, and taken their virginities oh shit that that's pretty i like that because he seems to be very like, I don't know, the way he says it's 5 a.m. and my heart flourishes at each passing moment, that makes me very much think of teenage love. And teenage yeah, love is, for sure. <laughs> is normally exacerbated because you have lost your virginity to someone. And that's right. normally when it, like, absolutely hits, shit hits the fan, just for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a big moment in, in people's yeah. lives. Yeah, but yeah, that was my kind of takeaway from the lyrics. I like it. it. Again, it's it's hard not to feel 
like the the song is sad or angry, but it, it does feel a little bit happier than the, the prior tracks. Uh, there is another clean section of just guitars, which I, I love, and mm-hmm. then just as soon as it comes, it gets fucking destroyed by being pelted with all the drums and bass again. It, it's it's kind of this like constant battle throughout this album of like the nice like vibey guitars, and then like this wall of noise, this assault of of aggression that we've that we've talked about in a lot of the other songs. Yeah, that and I do I love the drums on this album just yeah. because they're just so intense. Like they are. In typical black metal music, everything's very simple. And usually they use a drum machine even. Like in, mm-hmm. I think in stuff around the 90s, they were using drum machines. But uh, it's just very thoughtful. Like the drums really go with everything. They really complement everything. And they not only do they complement everything, they elevate everything. Just yeah. the way he plays, it's just awesome. It's a whole lot of blast beats. <laughs> whole lot of blast beats, but also it gets pretty groovy sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I, I think their drummer definitely knows what they're doing, and, and I appreciate it on this album. Uh, at one point in a song, I think I called out Zach. I think it's track five. So, so we'll get there. We'll, <laughs> we'll bring some shade back. Yeah, but uh, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, until we do, I, I think I I'd like you to to please remember that like I wasn't a big fan of of that Hell album and, and the drums on that album being so aggressive. Well, how could I forget? Because every time I listen to it, I'm just sad. <laughs> you just can't listen to that album. I ruined it for you, and I apologize. <laughs> Try I have to, to listen to their uh, other albums now. <laughs> I ruined that one album, but not the band. Yep, nope. <laughs> Track number four, please remember. I worked it in there somewhere. Yeah, there you go. Starts with some like uh, ambient droning kind of coming in, and then it like has also layers of like reverse guitar playing or like yeah. reverse notes. And then someone talking underneath. It sounds like the guy's French, and he, he he talks about like a married couple or something that, that I was picking up. Uh, I was really more distracted by slash focusing on the music, so I didn't pick out a whole lot of the words. Um, but I, I I ended up going back and looking up the lyrics for this one specifically. Uh, the word love is re- repeated for a good while because that's kind of like the last word that the guy says, and then it just echoes and echoes and echoes and repeats as this kind of like crackly staticky sound builds and builds and builds with some other like anxious feedbacky sounds that kind of get mixed in and some things get mixed out until there's just this kind of like screeching white noise <laughs> of like a, a revved electrical motor kind of a thing. Yeah. And then that motor winds down and you hear this kind of lovely acoustic guitar playing some chords as the, the, the song quote unquote starts like three minutes into the song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, th- this is one of the shorter songs on the album. At but six like, minutes, at, at six and a half minutes, and the first half of the song is is just like all that noise and the stuff. Uh, but then there's like this droopy sliding lead guitar that kind of comes in that has like a really somber but also kind of sunny feel to it. That it kind of gives me a numb feeling, a feeling of numbness, like you're just like staring off into a void. And there's external stimuli, but you don't really notice it. So, like, the sun's shining down on you, but you don't really feel it, even though it's there. And I was intrigued enough at that point to hit up uh, Genius to, to read the lyrics to it or to understand what the guy was saying in the beginning. Uh, and it turns out it's a passage from a book. The book is called The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera. I'm, I'm sure I fucked that up. That, it's fine enough for me. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's a story, at least this passage that, that he used, it talks about a couple, uh, Teresa and, and Thomas, where Teresa uh, told Thomas 
that she could have easily fallen in love with Thomas's friend Z if they hadn't met, if her and Thomas hadn't met. And that kind of like leads Thomas to dwell on how fickle and thin love really is that just a mere chance of meeting is the only thing keeping Teresa with him, and that there's potentially infinite other men that she could be in love with while she's stuck with him yeah. or whatever. I really like that passage. I really like, I, I, I quoted the full thing here off to the side, but I'm not going to read through it because it's kind of long, but it, it's like harshly critical of love and how fit, fickle people are. And it's very anti this like soulmate sentiment that, that yeah. seems to be prominent, which I don't know. I really enjoy. I, <laughs> I agree. I really, it's, it's fucking awesome because like you said, people are so fickle about love. And the part that you're talking about with the... I'll, I'll quote this part. It was... Sure. It was only... A, Thomas said... Even then, her words had left Thomas in a strange state of melancholy, and now he realized it was only a matter of chance that Teresa loved him and not his friend Z. Apart from her consummated love for Thomas, there were, in the realm of possibility, an infinite number of unconsummated loves for other men. And that... It really hits it, like you said. Yeah, it's that, it's that a second. That's the second part of this passage, and I specifically yeah. called that out. It's it's just oh, it's, it's so good. good because it it in one swoop hits on jealousy, insecurity, and the weight in in relationships on which sex is placed. Right, like, because the distinction between the the consummated love for Thomas and the unconsummated love for everybody else, saying that the only separation between these different types of relationships is the sexual relationship, which I mean, I know sounds kind of like, uh, yeah, which yeah. like, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't take the consummation to be like a, an extremely literal thing. As, and it was more of just like vowing yourself to someone else. So like just yeah. the fact that they, they have decided that they are a thing is the only thing that's keeping her from being with anybody else. And she could have easily, done the same thing that she's doing with him to somebody else yeah. and not have really noticed kind of a thing. But it makes you think. It does. And and with the context of the music, I kind of felt like it, it's abstract in, in a weird way, but also cinematic in that it, it seemed like it was kind of delving into Thomas's mind state, hearing his lover talk about being with someone else and kind of focusing in hard on the feeling that their relationship is entirely based on luck, seemingly. Yeah. And as he kind of like locks in on that feeling, the noise in the song kind of escalates and keeps building and building and building. And then it kind of snaps and the camera kind of like zooms out of his, his out of his brain and his mind and just kind of like leaves him sitting there kind of processing and, and feeling numb and questioning everything that he never really like thought about. Yeah. And I like how I guess this tied back to the last song in which that girl that he was with who had the ring full of teeth. Right. I'm sure he was thinking that about her. Like maybe whenever they were doing whatever, like out being in a relationship, she had mentioned something like this, or just the fact that there were a bunch of other guys wanting her or that he was, he was the guy that was with her at the time. Like it just, I think it probably sums up pretty well how he felt. Yeah, and, and again, he didn't write it. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. It's it's a beautiful inclusion in the album. It's it like I really like. I'm kind of curious to what that the rest of that novel is about because um, that that came in chapter 17 of this book. So I, I don't know. Also, it's read by uh, not George Clark himself. Yes. It's actually read by uh, the the singer for Alcest, who is another 
Uh, it's a French shoegaze, black gaze band kind of thing. Yeah, his name Stefan Pout. I don't yeah, know. I'm sorry, I, I, French I people. I, I skipped right over it. I didn't want to try and pronounce it. I'm sorry, French people. <laughs> Stefan Pau. They, they drop off. They, they drop off the last syllable. Syllables. Judging by that logic, I think Alceste is like Alsay or something. Yeah, I, I mean that's probably true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I yeah, speak I mean, English say, poorly. Say, say la vie is is C E S T. So yeah, you're probably right. I'll say. Okay. Oh, I'll say that talking about that shit just gives me vertigo sometimes. Dude, I'm right there with you, and it also makes me want to listen to track five of this album. What's Vert- it called? Vertigo. Oh. Yeah. That's that's serendipitous. <laughs> yep that that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this track is 14 and a half minutes long, uh, which still like, yeah, it's the longest track on the album, but there were two tracks. Tracks one and three are about 10 minutes each. Yeah. So like, even it's, it's not that out of place, honestly, but, uh, yeah, this one, like, it's kind of a journey. Mm. And I think this is kind of like the core of the albums back and forth kind of thing where like. It, it kind of starts with some like clean echoey guitar and some soft driving drums. Again, the drummer is phenomenal in this track just to like bring life to some of the stuff without being overwhelming. Um, but the lead guitar riffing comes in on another layer and it, it kind of feels a bit unhinged mood wise where like some bits feel dark and moody and other bits feel kind of hopeful and feeling, I, I kind of got this feeling of movement, like, like he was walking down the street or going somewhere or, or something's happening and then the song kind of picks up and it's warped and has this kind of watery kind of melty feel like your, your brain is just kind of melting. And then you get this, this nice clean lead guitar solo. That's fucking cool. The vocals come back in for the first time in a while. It feels like at, at this point in the album, yeah. they've been kind of gone for a while, but it, it recaptures that feeling that sunbather and Dreamhouse had with the very aggressive stuff. There's this weird midsection breakdown that has some vibey guitar and a lot of like Tom work on the drums, which I love. It picks back up with some fucking blast beats and the speed just kind of goes off the hinges. And there are times when, when this kind of drumming is suitable, Zach Hill. Okay? <laughs> and, and this is one of them. It, it, it fits what's happening in, in the song and in the context of the song. And yeah, it's very fast and aggressive and just like spamming a bunch of fucking blast beats through like Zach Hill does. But I, I think it complements the music better in this case. Well, you know what? Well, I'll I'll agree with at least one part of what you're saying. <laughs> you know that it's a great song. That it's a great song, and that it fits here. Yeah, but but you know, I guess I could see like over this simple stuff. It's not like the whole song isn't too crowded by right. by it. It works. It definitely works with it really, really, really well. But um, this song, I feel like it. I get a little little bit of anger from this song more than I did in other songs. Like yeah. I still feel the sadness and kind of bitterness, but hopeful parts whenever it's mainly just a guitar or something looking slightly looking up. I don't know, but I do feel anger more in this song than I have in other songs. Yeah, I, I feel like the the final push of the song, like there's this kind of like finale to it where it like it kind of regains its strength and it pushes through this wall after like the music has died down and you, you can like hear the vocal screaming when it's quieter and it just sounds like pain and agony, but it comes back in for this big finale as if to kind of like say, fuck you, you're not going to win. I'm not giving up. I'm going to be heard and I'm going to finish this fight. I'm not just, just fucking going to give in here. 
And after that kind of last burst of energy, there's kind of like this, this victorious section in my mind where he's like conquered whatever it is he's trying to do. Well, he may have tried to, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. <laughs> the last lyrics of this song are lost in the patterns of youth where the windows shine brightly back at you. So, to give some context to that. Do that. Do that thing <laughs> that you just said to do. I like the very, very first uh, lyric of this song because it talks about what I think it talks very well about his relationship with maybe coming from wealth and now being in a band as an alcoholic, like obviously not at that point anymore. The very first lyric is destined as the servant to the night. And thinking about that from a person on a band's perspective who came from wealth, like I guess he had, uh, he's designating himself a servant, which as I'm sure everybody knows is a pretty low Right. Yeah, like you're a servant. It's kind of the opposite of wealth. Yeah. And to the night makes me think, I don't know, when I think of like really rich people, they're out doing their stuff in the day and they're partying at night. Like they're, they have a day job. They have, they're doing day trading stocks, whatever. I don't know what rich people do. But uh, whenever he says a servant to the night, it makes me think of somebody out there doing whatever they're doing at night that's they have to be awake in the wee hours of the morning like playing a concert at midnight or whatever he's out there on the streets at at night i guess and not in a nice fancy house or something right but uh i don't know this whole song whenever he says lost in the patterns of youth it makes me think about all the thing all the things you do when you're young that have such a huge impact on the rest of your life, like maybe he had, I don't know, whenever he lost wealth or whenever he moved out, he started becoming an alcoholic in his band. And that was the moment that he sees that disconnected him from that. Because it seems like there's a part of him that really wants to go back to that. Mm -hmm. But then there's a... It's comforting. It's it's the comfort of, of the the pillows or the cushion that, that he referred to and the, the third track. Yeah. Yeah. And sun, but yeah. So third track. Yeah. But then there's also the way he talks about it, the way he talks about wealth makes me think that, that he doesn't want to go back there, that he doesn't like it, which is understandable. I'm sure if the way he was talking about that girl that he liked comparing himself to her, if he's comparing himself to everybody that comes from that world, and that right. I mean that can't be a good feeling. And if he's talking about them as if they are these they're these judgy elitist people, then he probably doesn't want to be a part of that world. But yeah, and, and furthermore, I I think that he probably puts some amount of blame on them. Like yeah. he, he was raised in that kind of lifestyle and then he he got out of it and he turned to drugs and alcoholism and stuff like that. So I'm sure he like some part of him maybe even just subconsciously like is is putting blame on you know his his family and society and and stuff for like having him being raised in that environment yeah kind of a thing and also there's this this like teenager teenagers love to rebel like it's it's a thing that the teens do and like 
I don't I don't know what age range he's kind of reflecting on here, but I mean he's his lost in the patterns of youth. So like it, it's it's very much the the core of rebellion to like say fuck you and all of your money. Like even though I was raised in it, like it's fucked up and I don't like it, kind of a thing. It's it's a very like angsty thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh to give context to where the windows shine brightly back at you. A line before that is a slave to reality under a monarch in the sky, which the windows shine brightly back at you makes me think if you're looking at windows in the night, like the monarch in the sky makes me think of like the, the top level the penthouse of a building. And he's look, trying to look through the windows at these rich people. And it's just the lights are shining back or there's neon signs on top of this building or whatever. It's just shining back at him down on the ground, but he's trying to look up into it. And it's yeah. the monarch in the sky just doesn't paint a good picture of the people that are in that building. Yeah, they're they're in their ivory towers, you know. Yeah, looking looking down on the world because they're better than them. <sighs> <laughs> so I didn't mean to bum me out that bad, man. No, it doesn't bum me out. It makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you should just go go take take a breather. Go go look out a window. A look out of windows? <laughs> yeah, what? Huh? No, I didn't what? say that. Win- window? I will look out of multiple windows. <laughs> track number six is called Windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I really like this track. Hell yeah. Uh, it's got some like really dark piano that's kind of vibey, and it's got some like reversed notes as well, kind of bringing that kind of back in. I mean, anytime you hear a reversed instrument, it like sounds eerie by nature yeah. to, to us. So like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a cool feel. And then it, they're like, clips of what sounds like someone's scribbling notes throughout the song there you hear like a conversation that sounds like it's happening on a street maybe like a drug deal this is kind of what i was getting out of it uh, i wasn't totally like zoned in and listening to what was being said um but it kind of gave me that feel and then there's like a, a street preacher talking about hell and, and revelations and everything kind of like being layered under and over it and like i don't know the music is very like ominous and calm and daunting and it, it kind of like Assuming just from the song title, it, it seemed like he was talking about conversations that he's heard outside his window or whatever, where it's it's kind of like making the song reflective about society as, as he sees it, where it's this juxtaposition of sinner and saint, where there's the guy that's trying to convert people and, and talking down to people and, and telling them that like they're going to hell versus the people that are just like so involved in the seediest parts of society. Yeah. Um, so you were right about the drug deal. It's actually a recording Nailed. of their guitar player. By I guess from what I had read, because I was looking it up, I was like, "Where did this come from? Is this just like so- something simulated that right. they were like this would be a yeah, conversation?" Yeah, but it's I guess a recorded drug deal between the guitar player and some guy trying to sell him opiates of some sort. I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. If you knew more about all that stuff, like <laughs> at one point he says like eight two fifteens. The only I don't know. Like what does right. that? What does that it's mean? All street slang. Yeah, he's like I have sixty dollars. It's enough for three. I don't fucking know. Like I don't know what that means. But you know, somebody probably does. And I mean, just <laughs> just the rawness of it mixed with the. It's not even a regular preacher, like you said, a street preacher, like a fire right. and brimstone. He's out there. Pre the the verses that he's saying are. Reg- all of them are regarding hell. Yeah. He's talking about Jesus talked about hell more than he did. He spoke more of hell than he spoke of heaven. And talking about how you 
you want God's mercy to keep you out of hell and that you just need to believe in the gospel. It's it's like the scare tactic part of religion is what he's preaching. And yeah. that next to somebody who's at such a low point in their life is just really, just really raw. Yeah. I think it's a very like meaningful juxtaposition and, and contrast. And I, I, I don't know, like that coupled with the, the kind of calm and, and ominous music really, really does it for me. I like the track a lot. I do too. And you know what? It makes me, uh, makes me want to go outside and sit underneath a tree and think long and hard about my life. Maybe. What, what, what kind of tree? You know, I've, I've been eating pretty healthy lately, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe some good fatty, fatty, something with some fat in it, like a pecan, maybe? A pecan yeah. tree? Yeah. Yeah, are they? I don't. I don't know if we have pecan trees around here, though. Yeah, I don't. I've never, literally, never seen a pecan tree. <laughs> I didn't even know pecans grew on trees. Like, <laughs> oh, so I, yeah, me either. But I'm glad that that you're the one that took the lead on that because I was curious how you pronounce the word pecan. <laughs> pecan. I'm not that. I'm not southern like that. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because there are, for for everyone else listening, there are several people that are adamant that is is pecan. It is. I mean, I guess it's either way. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the proper way is, and it, it's language. So you know, whatever. But it, as long I've as always, it, I've always said pecan, and I'm yeah. glad to feel validated that you also say pecan. <laughs> I think more people say pecan than say pecan, but really, is that's the thing about words. Words are just sounds, and as long as you can understand the meaning that's trying to be conveyed, it really doesn't yeah. fucking matter that much. Agreed. <laughs> so all you pecan people out there, don't be dicks about it. <laughs> and all you pecan people, don't be snotty about it. Yeah, we'll just we'll just all live together in our nut lives, our, in our pecan tree, in our pecan tree. <laughs> but yeah, this one like instantly just punches you in the face. It goes back to the high intensity blast beats and the screaming that a lot of the prior tracks had. I really like the chord progression on this one. It's got some like Floyd Rose like whammying stuff to get some really melty sounds or oh, grippy, yeah. and I really like it. It's kind of hard to place this one mood-wise for me because, again, it seemed like it had some more happy and optimistic-sounding sections, but also some more like sad ones. And I, I don't know. I kind of got the idea that this track is supposed to be like a final acceptance of both the good and the evil, the happy and the bad that's kind of been sprinkled throughout the album. I like that you picked that up because, I mean, while there is more bad than good, it seems by, based off of the lyrics... Uh, that's kind of that's the emotions that I felt before I knew the lyrics. By right. the way, but uh, yeah, this song is about the acceptance, or just not necessarily a happy acceptance, I guess, but the acceptance that alcoholism is in his blood. He's he's comparing himself to his father in this song, who I guess okay. his, his father was an alcoholic, and talking about it's in my blood. I mean, the last lyrics are, "I am my father's son. I am no one. I cannot love. It's in my blood," but kind of the way he's framing it seems like he's accepting it in a way that maybe it will change right in the song but yeah i mean to 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 conquer your fears or to grow as a person you first have to kind of accept where you're at so i think that's kind of a yeah a, a good sentiment but i definitely like music wise just how intense they get immediately like yeah. you said it hits immediately as soon as the song starts back into the blast beats the just extremely fast like picked guitar i guess it's like 
whatever the up and down tremolo picking, I guess that's what it's called. Whenever sure. you're like, like really fast of yeah. the same note. I don't know. I play guitar and I don't know, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it hits you with the wall of sound immediately. And I just like how they can go like the flip of a switch back to it. But then they also like in this song, I, I guess it's around four minutes they change and the reverby kind of lonely guitar comes back again. And then they do this like really nice build back yes. to back to like eight and a half minutes where it finally hits hits for the big ending, I guess, of right. the album. That that big ending kinda like it felt like a good section of closure. Yeah. Where he's he's like 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 we kinda said, he's not necessarily happy and saying like, yeah, this is who I am. Fuck. Yeah. He, he, but it, it is that kind of closure, that kind of feeling of like, this is who I am. And now I can like move on from now that I've accepted that I'm, I'm allowing myself to move on from that. Yeah, definitely. And acceptance, you know, I think that's one of the, the 12 steps or something. Yeah. So, it's something. I don't know. I'm but not it's, an alcoholic. I've never yeah. been to AA. So I, you must forgive your brother. That's all I know, that's all I know about. <laughs> that's not even that's not even from real life. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a Metalocalypse reference for, for yeah. But go, you know go watch that show. Listen to this album, watch Metalocalypse. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Overall, uh, I really, really like the sound of this album. The there's a nice contrast of like the chill guitar tones and then the screams and then the drums that really just it all comes together in a way that I wasn't anticipating. I definitely want to listen to more of their music and spend more time with this album. That being said, I do feel like a lot of the sections of the upbeat and the fast guitars and the drums and the screams and stuff are pretty indistinguishable from each other. So like, I feel like you could play one of those sections from any number of these songs and I wouldn't be able to tell you which song it was from, but uh, I don't know. And, And part of that is to blame on how well it's mixed a lot of the, the the songs kind of flow together and blend into each other, which doesn't necessarily help with demarcating the songs from each other, which is fine because it, it lends itself to this full album concept kind of deal, but it, it definitely makes it hard to distinguish when a lot of the music sounds so similar. Yeah, this album, it definitely is made, in my opinion, for a full listen through. Like, you have to listen to the whole album because... Yeah, I, it's it's like a palette that just continues throughout the whole album rather than being made up of different songs that right. are their own world in themselves. This is just like, it really could just, in my opinion, be one long song, one yeah. hour and long I, song. I think, I think that definitely like, I, I, I think they could have done something like, <laughs> we can bring it back to Mastodon <laughs> on... Uh, Crack the Sky, where they had, like, the, the, the czar, the the whatever. Oh, the, yeah. The three-part song kind of a thing. Like, I feel like that could have eased, like this, like you said, this whole album could have been one track, and they could have just, like, had it off in sections of, like, okay, this is when this is happening, this is when yeah. that's happening kind of a deal. Because, I mean, again, there are four tracks that are over nine minutes long yeah, on this album. It's... So, <laughs> like, like, it's an hour-long album. There's seven tracks, yeah. which, like... They're, they're, they're very long songs to begin with, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's not necessarily a bad thing that I wouldn't be able to tell some of them, because like you said, it, it's it's building this theme musically 
that is scattered throughout the album and that feeling is supposed to return in those moments kind of a thing. But I don't know. Usually when I'm listening to an album, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's fair. I was going to say, usually when I listen to an album, I want a clear distinction between songs, but again, I don't know. Concept albums get, get a pass. I suppose I just, I don't know. It, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way at the moment, but now I'm kind of reflecting on it and thinking <laughs> that I'm just kind of a dick. <laughs> hey man, we all experience music our way. So it's true. We're going to experience it my way or the highway. Boom. My way or the highway. And then they'll ride <laughs> onto my house and I'll experience it my way. And they can just stay at my house. Oh, what? You, how many people do you keep it in your house, Joey? None. None. I have no people in my house, officer. <laughs> wow, that got a little dark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next week, <laughs> next week on, on this podcast, we're going to be talking about the album that we're going to be listening to this week, which is actually last week for the people listening to this episode. But <laughs> that's a roundabout way to say next album we're doing is Eat to the Elephant by A Perfect Circle. Which, uh, it's their newest album that came out in 2018, I think, which uh, I haven't actually listened to any of their other albums. I've, I've heard songs of theirs. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, somehow a perfect circle is like a side band of Maynard James Keenan, the singer of tool. So it, it's got him on vocals and doing a lot of the songwriting, if not all of it. Yeah. But uh, this album, like, I don't know. It hit me at a good time. And I listened to it. I saw them live, and it like it changed my, my opinion on uh, Manor James Keenan's bands in general. To where maybe I like them a little bit more than than Tool now, but I feel like that's going to get a lot of hate. But yeah, so we're, we're going to be talking about <laughs> the Elephant because uh, I fucking love the album. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Listen to the album with us, uh, and let us know what you think about it. Let us know what you thought about this album. You can hit us up on all the the, the Instagrams. And, and the social medias, the Twitters, and stuff like that. Leave us some comments. Uh, shoot us an email. Shoot me a text. You know, we can talk about the shit. Joey likes to talk about the shit too, but you probably don't have his number. Yeah, nobody, nobody knows who I am. Even <laughs> you've heard of me in passing, like some sort of fabled creature. <laughs> you are, you are the the fabled creature. You're the mascot of the feedback loop. You're the feedback loop fable, dude. Yeah, I'm the mascot. I want to be the mascot now. Our logo is going to change. There's just going to be a picture of your face. Dude, please do. That way I can branch out and make all sorts of merch with my face on it. Because <laughs> that's what you want is your face plastered all over the place. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, let, let us know. Keep keep talking to us. We, we we like doing the show without talking to you guys, but I just I really would love to have this conversation with a, a wider audience. I'm not good enough for you, Jeremy. Is that is that what it is? No, I mean, <laughs> until next time, stand our feedback loop. Bye! <laughs>